this morning called Inspired. Inspired. How many of you were here last week? If you missed the message, you can always go online and listen to it. But we started a series last week called Inspired, and we're looking at how to bring inspiration into our finances. And you may be here and you say, well, my, my finances are not inspired. There's nothing inspired about it, which is the point of the series, okay? It is the point of the series. And, you know, money, if we're not care- careful, money is the cause of stress, worry, and concern uh, for so many people. In fact, 75% of people in America, a recent study showed 75% of people in America are not happy with where they are at financially. So basically, 75% of our country is saying that, man, I would like to turn the direction I'm headed financially around. I would like to do, make, some, make some changes. And so the good news is that we have the ability, I want you to say, I have the ability to make changes today that will improve our tomorrow, that will improve our future. And I wanted to start, you know, I know that uh, when I start, you know, if once a year I talk about finances and we're trying to help people out, uh, I know that some people actually don't even come if they know I'm talking about finances. It's such a sore point. And others of you come, you're like, man, I didn't, I missed last week. I didn't know. You know, I didn't know. But you're here, so let's have fun, okay? Uh, but C.S. Lewis, he, he said, you know, C.S. Lewis, I'm sure, you know, he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. He was a, a professor and uh, a great apologist. And he got saved later in life. He was raised an atheist. And later in life, he turned his life over to God. And, and here's what he says. He says, you can't go back and change the beginning. But you can start where you are and change the ending. So if you've made mistakes financially, if you don't like where you're at financially, let's do this. Let's put the past behind us. Let's don't beat ourselves up about the past, the past, the past. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start today and change the ending. Isn't that that a great thing? So God, I pray today as we we talk about your word and we talk about uh, just finances and, and, and your plan for our lives, God, I pray that today people would be inspired because Today, they can, they can start changing the ending. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. That's a powerful statement. You can't change the past, but you can start today and change the future. How many of you, let me see a show of hands, in one area of your life or another, it doesn't have to be money, you were going in the wrong direction and you made some changes and you turned it around. How, how many of you did that? I see all of that. So if, here's the important part. If you can do it in one area, you can do it in another area. The same principles apply. So the first step, the first step, and, and man, this is a tough one right out of the gate here this morning, trying to be positive here. The first step is to accept personal responsibility for your financial situation. And so the reason, you know, like if somebody is out of shape and they don't like how they look and they want to lose weight or get in better shape, they start going to the gym every day and start changing their diet. What happened is, first of all, they, they took responsibility for where they were at. So we have to take responsibility. So basically, we are, we are where we are financially because of the decisions we've made. And so sometimes it's just, it's just really, it's just really um, therapeutic to just say, man, I've made poor decisions. I overextended myself. I took on too much debt. I was not disciplined in my behavior. And I take responsibility. I'm not going to blame my parents. I'm not going to blame the government. I'm not going to blame the economy. I'm not going to blame, blame my job. I'm just going to take personal responsibility. And so, um, you know, we're going to talk today about, about managing your money. Well, last week we talked about 
a retired inspired. And we're going to do different, different things every week. But most people think that managing their money, that dreaded B word, budget, that dreaded B, some of you were in the, you're, you're thinking in the, in the gutter there. You thought I was going to say something else. The, the B word, budget. Some people think, man, the word budget, I don't even like that word. It's laborious. It's laborsome. It causes problems in my house. How many of you don't like that word budget? Okay, so a few people are honest here this morning. And, and so, you know, we're, we're, but think, think of it as money management. So we have to change our mentality on the topic because managing, managing your, your money, it's the most important step for success. Here's the deal. I can double your salary. I can triple your salary. If you can't handle money, you won't do any better with more. It's all about management. That's why it's very interesting. You know, I, I, keep, I, I read stats a lot, and like 80% of people who win the lotto, you know that happy face when they're holding that check? Within five years, 80% of them are broke. And it's a, simple, it's a simple reason. It doesn't matter if you give somebody $2 million, $5 million, $7 million. If they couldn't manage 50000 they can't manage that. And so the, what's the first thing they do, you know? The first thing they do is, they ha- well, they get hit with taxes, right? The tax man comes. They get hit with taxes, and then they buy houses and cars and lands. Then they've got to help all their family. And then before too long, uh, you know, they're, they're just they're in trouble. But if, if you don't manage your money well, you'll never be successful, no matter how much you earn. Uh, it's just a simple fact. My, my granddad, who was a very simple man, um, when, when, when he died, they were, they were, they were talking uh, about, about money or something. And I was a little kid, and I'm like, granddad had some money? And he used to always tell the grandkids, grandkids, well, come here, come around. He said, it doesn't, it's not about how much you make. It's about what you do with it. It's what you do with it, you know? And, and he... he he, he just, he just, incredibly, he saved, he, he saved money, and uh, when my grandmother worked, and he wouldn't let her spend any of that, and he, they saved the whole salary, you know? And that's how they kind of got ahead in life. But if you think about it, let's think about management for a minute. And please, don't, don't shut me out. I think I'm going to give some things to help you. We're going to look at God's Word. God's Word is really so simple about finances. It's so simple, but sometimes we don't do the simple thing, right? Sometimes we just don't do the simple thing. And so... If you think about it, management's the, the key to success in every, every, area of our, every, every area of our lives. We have to manage schedules. I mean, every day we have kids and work and sports and, and church and all kinds of things we have to manage. I, I went to my one friend's house, and they had four kids that were in all these activities. And they had, the, the, the wife had put a flow chart on the refrigerator. Now, you know how big a refrigerator is? That sucker covered the whole thing. And I mean, I was, I, I was, just, I was, I wanted to go take a nap. I saw that I wanted to take a nap, you know. But she had a flow chart to manage everything, and there were scribbles on it, erases, and all kind of stuff. But we have, we have, think about, it, we have to manage our possessions. God gives us things, then we have to manage, and you have to manage your car, change the oil, do things like that. You got to manage your house; things in your house break. You have to manage your, you know, your lawn or or whatever. Uh, landscaping, lawn mowers don't work, you know. Then we have to manage our spiritual lives. You know, we have to make sure that we're spending some quality time with the Lord, in the presence of the Lord, reading our Bible, praying, Bible studies. And, and uh, what's really funny, a lot of, I've talked to a lot of Christians, and they manage their whole lives well except their spiritual lives. And, and, and so then we have to manage our time to make sure we can get everything done. 
So here, here's the thing. The, area, the areas of our lives that we manage well thrive. They grow. There's increase. And the areas that we do not manage well become a, a source of stress and concern. Is that true? When we, when we manage well in an area, man, that area of our life just thrives. Uh, you know, that's why I've met many businessmen who've made all kind of money and they're so successful in the world in the world, and, and they're so honored and their, their work life has gone so well, but they're on their fourth marriage. So they manage their work side, but they didn't manage their home. And so I'm, I'm just trying to get you to think of it. If you're in a bad position financially, it's because you probably haven't taken the time to manage that. And with God's help, not, not just with God's help and the Word of God and, and coming together in unity, you can, you can learn how to manage that part of your life and, 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 and get, on, get on top. It, it was funny. When I was, I was on a staff pastor at Family Life in Lafayette, uh, that's the home church that, that helped us come here and start this church here. But um, one of the jokes in our staff meetings uh, came, there was one family that, that, a husband and wife, they would drive separately to church, and they had seven kids. And every Sunday, there's about 700 people in the church at the time, every time when they left, at least one of their kids was always left behind. <laughs> and one of the staff members would just sit out in front of the church, under the driveway, just waiting, you know, for the parents. And we didn't call them or anything. They lived about a mile from the church. We knew they were going to go home, sit down at the dinner table, and say, you didn't get, you didn't get Johnny? Come on, man. And, and every, every week. So the, the joke in the pastor's meeting on Wednesday was, hey, who, who stayed behind with, with, with this family, with their kids? And we'd be sitting there talking to the kids. We had great relationships with the kids. We talked to them so much every week, you know, and uh, knew them better than the parents. And so and uh, they, they'd be like, they'd, one, one time they came up to me and said, Pastor Terry, it happened again. Happened again. We go out there, and the, 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 the mom wouldn't come back. She was too embarrassed. She made the husband come back and pick up their kids. And so, but I think that's what happened. If we don't manage parts of our lives, we lose things. We lose track of things, and, and, and bad things happen. So I want you to think, think, think of managing your money kind of like a game. It's just a game. The goal is to have some, some left at the end of the month. That it, it, it's a game, okay? It's, it's a game. If you need to build up your savings account, then think of ways you can cut expenses and, and save money and then celebrate as you begin to save money. If you need to pay off debt, take the challenge and see how much you can pay off each month. Uh, one, of, one of my sons, Ty, it was funny. When he was really small, when he was really small, um, the idea of having money just bothered him. And it doesn't bother him anymore. But it bothered him, and so I remember he was so cute, he'd be like three or four years old. If, if he worked around the house and earned some money, let's say if he worked a couple weeks and earned $4, he, he would come down one day, Trace and I'd be sitting there, and he would come walking down the stairs, and he would say, Mom, Dad, I have $4. Will you take me to the store, please? But it was kind of like, Mom, Dad, please, if you love me, help me get rid of this $4. Please help me. I don't want. I don't want it. It's you know. I just want to get rid of it. We say, no, it's okay to have money. It's like okay. Well, will you take me to the store so I can buy something? And when you take him to the store, he would have you added up, and he would get as close to spending that four dollars as you can. Now, all my kids do very well with money, so that was a long time ago. But I want you. A lot of you, a lot of people in our country, that's how you manage your money. You get a raise, and, and the first thing you think is, what can we buy? 
you get a bonus. And the problem with the bonus is you have one way you want to spend it, and your wife has six. And so there's no thought of, hey, we could save that. We could just save it and have a backup plan. And so that's the way some people manage their money. As much comes in, it's going out faster than it's coming in. And, and we have to back up and say, man, let's manage our money. Let's play this game. We, we should have money in savings. We should, you know, we should not get caught off guard every time our car breaks down. Let's look at some scripture. Proverbs 21, 20, it says this. In the house of the wise are stores, that's savings, of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours or uses all that he has. And so if uh, the house of the wise, they save some money. They, they, ha they have savings of stuff because, uh, you know, they don't, they don't just spend it all. They, they put things away for saving, but a foolish man devours all he has. See, a foolish person just devours or spends all that they have, and then they have to go to the wise and ask for money. Proverbs 27, verse 23 and 24, this is the, the, the living Bible, it says this, riches can disappear fast, and the king's crown doesn't stay in the family forever, so watch your business interests closely. Know the state of your flocks and herds. Now, today we're like, okay, well, I don't have flocks or herds, but in these days, their assets were in sheep and cattle and flocks and herds and no, no, uh, no shepherd, no, no one who owned herds would not know how many they had, what the condition was, and what, the, what so Proverbs is saying, what Solomon is saying that benefits us today is that you have to watch your business interests closely. You have to know certain things. You have to know, do we have any money in the bank? How much we have coming in? How much do we have saved? And what is coming up that we will need to calculate for? And so to manage your money, you, you need to know what you earn, what you owe, and where it goes. Now, I'm going to, if, you, if you've been in church very long, if you're raised in church, it's really only in the church world that we hear the word steward. How many of you have heard the word steward? Steward. And, and if, if you've been in church, you heard stewardship campaigns, which means the church is trying to raise money. Okay? And, but, but steward, we, we don't use the word steward today. So I want to show you real quickly where it came from and what it means today. Really, a steward, today that would be the same thing as a manager or a foreman, someone that's in charge of managing the affairs of another. But I'm going to show you where it came from. In Luke 16, 1 through 2, 1 through 2 in the King James Version, it's, this is Jesus speaking, and he said unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods, and he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest no longer be steward. Okay? That's laborious to read. That's why we don't read the King James, use the King James Version very much anymore. But let me show that to you in the NIV, which is the modern translation. It said, Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him and asked, asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. So, you know, wait, wait, you know, 30 and, 30 and 40 years ago and way back, and some churches still, they only use the King James Version. But, so if you, were, if you were growing up in church, 
and you heard the King James Version, this is where stewardship came from, the word steward or stewardship. And so the King James Version of the Bible was written in the cultural setting of the feudal system. Have you ever read in, you know, history of the feudal system uh, throughout Europe? And basically, it was like this. There was, there was a, a place called a realm, a realm, and, and in that realm, a realm was two to three counties geographically. And in the realm, uh, the owner of the realm was called the Lord. And the Lord lived in the biggest house on the realm, usually like a castle with a moat. I think we have a picture. We're going to put up a picture here. Um, yeah, so that's the Lord's house right there. You know, it had the castle, a big, humongous thing with a moat for protection. And so the Lord owned everything in the realm. And he had the best house in the realm. But he, he did not, he was not the one who, who did all the work. He hired a manager, which in these days was called a steward. The steward had the second biggest house in the realm. And the steward was in charge of collecting rents on all the properties and overseeing all the possessions of the Lord of the realm. And so, and so this is where we get this, this concept. So in, mo in the modern day language, we would say that God is the Lord of the realm. He owns everything, but we are the managers. You could say stewards or managers. And we are supposed to manage what he gives us with integrity, with honor, honesty, and generosity. And if we manage his possessions well, then... then um, what we have will be blessed and will increase. And if we manage what he's given us poorly, uh, his blessings will not be upon that. So I have a question for you. Would it change how you think about managing your money if you realized that you didn't own any of it? Boy, you can hear planes going over and all kind of, whoa. But think about it. When I gave, when we... Many people don't understand this, and, and it's the church's fault. When I gave my life to the Lord, I asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life. And, I gave, and basically I said, I give my life to you. And so nothing I have do I own. My kids are an inheritance. I don't own them. They are the Lord's. He gives them, the Bible says, as an inheritance to us. And I am going to have to stand before him one day and give an account of how I raised him, how I raised them, how I treated them. And, and, and so the money I have and whatever, the house that I have, it's not mine. God gives it to me for me to use. And so I think the, the biggest problem today in the church is we don't understand really whose assets we have. That they're, they're not mine. And if you're here this morning, I'm sure it's not very many. It says, no, they're mine. I don't want to hear this. That's fine. You can have them. You can have them. But the problem is if they're not ours, then we need help and direction from God. We need to hear from Him on how to manage them, on, on how to get the most, the most out of them. And so you are not the Lord of the realm. I'm not the Lord of the realm, but I'm, I'm simply a manager of God's realm. Okay, very, very important. And so in Psalm 49, 20, it says this, a man who has riches without understanding is like a beast that perishes. That doesn't sound too good, huh? Let's read one more, Proverbs 17, 16 says, Of what use is money in the hand of a fool, since he has no desire to get wisdom? Now, here, now here's the first thing 
and I've said this before when I was young and I read that, I'm like, well, okay, I don't have any money, so no big deal. But here's the deal. You know, everyone in this room, I, I'm quite certain, everyone in this room, most probably, you're in the top 1% of wealth in the world. If you make $34,000 a year or more, your family, your family's in the top 1% of, of the wealth in the world. So really by the world standards, even, even if we don't make a whole lot compared to American standards, we, we still have wealth to manage. We still have possessions and things to manage. And, and, and both of these verses, it tells us that if you have riches without understanding or of what use is money in the hand of full, in other words, what, what use is it for me to give you more since you have no desire to get wisdom? Now here's a very interesting thing. The number one reason that most people don't, don't manage their money well is because they've never gained knowledge. It's not that people are purposely trying to be bad with their money. It's not that they're purposely trying to waste money. But if we've never learned how to, to manage our money, if we've never learned how to do better, uh, it doesn't matter if we get more, uh, if, we, if, we get, if we get more or less or whatever. So he, here's something I was thinking about. When we're, we're raising our kids today, and I, let, I'll ask you another question. How many of you in here that are, that are parents, how many of you, your parents talked with you and taught you about money? So, so about 5%. About 5% did that. So, um, see, a lot of, like, my parents were very good with money, but we never, we never had a, a conversation about it. And... Uh, so I learned things from them, but I had to ask questions. So, so I, I, I say that, I, my only point of saying that is that um, the only way we can do better is to acquire more knowledge. Uh, uh, one of the best leaders in our, uh, in, of this generation is John Maxwell. And John Maxwell, I was 25 years old when I heard him say this. And it's an incredible statement. He said, he said, if you will diligently study a topic for two years, you can master that topic. I mean, think, of, think about that. So if you, if you don't know anything about one topic, if you study it for two years, you know, you take, in other words, you're not playing PS4, you're not spending three hours watching TV, you're, you're, if you study something for two years, you can become a master at it, which, which is very important for Christians. Study the Bible for two years diligently, you can become a master on it. And so, uh, you, you know, I, re I remember when I, was, when I heard that I was a youth pastor in a church and I wanted to become a better leader. I wanted to do that. So for two years, I went to every leadership conference I could find. I read every book that I could find. I listened to podcasts. I did, I did everything that I could do, and it really helped me out. So here, here's what I'm saying. If you don't know anything, the slightest thing about money management is that you can start reading books. You can start reading blogs. You can start reading articles. There's free classes and classes that you can take for a little bit of money. Uh, for example, our Dave Ramsey class, which, you know, I think everybody should take that class. Man, that if you if you went to a course on that, it'd probably cost several thousand dollars, and for you know a hundred and whatever dollars, you can get that all that expertise. So let's talk about this. We're talking about managing our money. Let's talk about the value the value of of a, of a budget. Let's look at this. First of all, what is a budget? A lot of people hate a budget and they don't even know what it is. So I want to teach you what it is, so then you can hate it for you know have a good reason to hate it. But a budget is this. It's just it's just a cash flow plan or a spending plan. It's a written plan that tells your money where to go. The late, great Zig Ziglar, he always said, if you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. Okay, if you have no direction, you'll you hit it every time. 
And John Maxwell says a budget is people simply telling their money what to do instead of wondering where it went. Again, Proverbs 21.5, it says that the plans of a diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Now, studies have shown uh, tremendously that most people get in trouble because they act in haste. They just decide they want something and they just, they just go get it because we can today because of credit and credit cards and you don't actually have to have money to buy something today. You can just put it, put it, on, put it on credit. So, but the plans of a diligence. So if, if you're going to be diligent in the, in the managing of your money, the managing of your finances, uh, that you need to have a, a spending plan. Proverbs 23, 5, it says, Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. How many of that has ever happened to you? And that's why, that's why they call current, you know, money currency, because it moves from people who don't know how to manage it to people who do know how to manage it. I, it's funny, I hear people talking. Sometimes, uh, sometimes people are, watch the media and the news, and they're always down on rich people. Oh, rich people. I'm not rich, so, you know. But, but I'm thinking, you know, the thing is, if people have money, there's a reason they have it. And if you took it all from wealthy people and gave it to, to poor people, within five years, it'd all be back to where it was. Because some people just know, I have, I have friends, some friends that just, they just know how to make money. They can fall out of bed and start a company. I mean, it's just, it's just that's how God has gifted them to do that. But if we are not gifted in that area, we can increase our knowledge. We can improve our knowledge. We can learn how to do better with the management of our, of our money. So let's talk about four, the four benefits of a budget real quick. Number one is it helps you to establish priorities. It helps you to establish priorities. A budget helps you establish a financial plan according to your priorities. Here's a big, a big thing you have to know. We have to separate the have-tos from the want-tos. Uh, see, a lot of people spend too much money on their want-tos, and they don't have enough left over for the have-tos. And so the have-tos, there's four have-tos. Uh, housing, food, transportation, and clothing. Four things. You have to have a place to live. You have to have food. You have to have transportation. I mean, if we lived in New York, you could possibly not have a car, and you could take a shuttle to work. Man, we live in Houston, and it, it's spread out everywhere. Like, you've got to have a car that runs. And, um, and you've got to have, uh, of course, clothing. And there's some percentages behind that. That's what, it, you, this week you can Google financial experts on what percentage of, of each item should you actually spend on. And so they, most of them say between 25 and 35% for your housing, and, and food is 5 to 15%, transportation is 10 to 15%. So again, you know, if your transportation is 50% of your take-home pay, that's a problem. That's a problem. This is very, this is very interesting, and um, every January, every, every January, I can write it down, I know, every January, our church, our phone lines are flooded. They're flooded with people who want help paying their bills. Every, every January. And I started thinking, why is January, what's the deal with January? What's January? And I started inquiring people, well, why can't you pay your rent? Why can't you pay your electric bill? Because they spent so much on their kids for Christmas. Can you believe that? Well, my kid deserves. No, your kid deserves a place to live. Your kid deserves electricity. Your kid deserves water. 
Your kid deserves the trash to be picked up, not a toy they've already broken. But that, that's crazy. And you say, well, how do people do that? But uh, I've, I've done it before. I'm sure you've done it. We got ahead of ourselves. We didn't have a plan. And we, we bought something that we wanted, and it wasn't necessarily something that we needed. And, and then we didn't have enough for, for the need itself. So, but the, the first thing with the spending plan is it helps you to line out. Okay, this is what we have coming in. This is the bills we have coming in. And you just you get a game plan in, in, in advance. The second thing is it brings unity into our families. Again, the number one cause of divorce, people say, is a lack of communication. And the thing they don't communicate about is money. More money fights, more money stress, problems, concerns cause problems within our, our marriages. But the goal is, is to get a spending plan that you do together. The husband and wife do together if you're a single person. If you're single, it's really hard because you don't have any accountability. So get somebody that can help help you and keep you accountable. But the goal is for the husband and wife to work on a budget together and to come into agreement on how to manage their money. And so you have a, a monthly uh, budget meeting and, and talk about expenses that are coming up and, and make a plan that works for the family. It's really, it's really funny. So Tracy and I, for a long time, she, she, we did our budget together, and then she was in, in charge of the implementation of it. And about seven years ago, she went on a coup. She, she went on a coup. She went on strike. And she's like, I'm not doing it anymore. you got to take it over. I said, okay, I'll take it over. And so when I, it, it's funny. After you get better at it, you, you don't have to have long budget meetings. But I tell Trace, we need to talk about the budget. So you know what she does? She just tells me what we need. We have this, 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 this and this come up next month. Okay. All right. That's how that's going to go. But think about this way. Think about it. You're, couples, you're on a romantic boat ride. All, you know all the movies, they, there's a little perfect water, and there's a rowboat, right? You know, that's very deceiving. How many of you have actually been in a rowboat? The first time you get in a rowboat, you go in circles, right? Oh, why isn't it going straight, you know? The thing is this, you've got to put the oars in the water at the same time, the same depth, and pull evenly, or you go off. And the problem, a lot of times, with money and why couples are at each other is because you're not rowing your boat together. You have to row your boat together. And the accountability is together. See, if Trace and I make a plan and we get off, we, we get off course, we get to find out which one of us <laughs> spent more than we should have. Or if it's me, I just skip that meeting this month. I won't make it up next month. I'm, I'm, don't do that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, but you see, the whole thing is a lot of people... I can't tell you, 80% of the people that, I used to do the Dave Ramsey class here before other people started doing it, and 80% of the people who came to the Dave Ramsey class had no clue of actually how much they made, of how, what their bills were, and they were scared to death to look. And then another percentage would say, ah, oh, we're not wasting any money. The average, when people did their Dave Ramsey, the average couple was wasting about $500 a month. They just didn't know where it was going. It's easy to do that when you get, when you get busy. And so you have to row your boat together. And the, the thing is, is, is unity. And the third thing is it helps you make decisions in advance. So money management is really about discipline. And when you have a plan in advance, it makes decisions very easy. Um, so they're going to put a website up uh, uh, to look at. So Dave Ramsey, he has a free budget tool for you to use. It's called every, everydollar.com. And so you don't need a 15-page spreadsheet. 
This is online. It's free. And let me, you can download the app on your phone, and let me tell you what it does. See, what happens a lot of times when you do a budget, you find out at the end of the month that you missed it. Oh, we spent $100 too much on food. We overspent on this. There's an app on your phone that tracks your spending, and it tells you you have $50 left in the food account. You have $10 left in entertainment, which means you, you can't go see a movie, right? Because the movie, right, you, you get this? Or you start bargaining. We won't eat the next week because I want to go see the movie, right? But you got to get the kids and everyone involved in that, you know? So, uh, but, but, but think about this. It, this is so simple. It's free. I gave you a website last week to look at. I hope you looked at that. But go do this. This is so simple. It's online. It's free. Um, listen, we bought so much stuff for Dave Ramsey, and this is a this is one of the tools you you get to have it. You get to have it for free. The third thing, the fourth thing is this: is it allows you to make progress towards your goals. And most people do not use a budget because they get frustrated. They say this: "Well, I tried it and it didn't work," which means which means that prob- probably that they that they they tried it one time. You know how, have you ever heard that it takes 21 days to start a new habit? Yeah, that was past generations that were tougher. New research says that it takes 66 days to start a new habit. So think about it, if you're going to do a budget, that means probably your third time, your third month is when you're going to actually get good at it. So uh, it's just anytime you start something new, you, there, there, there's a learning curve on it. But once you establish the habit of budgeting and start making the and start making progress and get a simple sense of accomplishment, man, this is working. We see light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, this is paying off for us. See, here's what I, inspiration comes with success. Inspiration, if you're not doing good in the area of your life, it's hard to have inspiration about it. When you start turning the corner, if you start managing your money better, there's some left. If you, if you start seeing, man, we saved $150 in our bank account this month. Or we paid off $200 of debt. You know, when you start seeing success, then it's much easier to become, to become inspired about it. So you have some homework this week. I want you to go home uh, today or tomorrow and have a conversation about developing a spending plan or a budget with your husband or your wife. Work on it together. Get on the same page. And, you know, here's what I want to say. Talk about the elephant in the room. Is there already... You might as well acknowledge it. I'm convinced that one of the reasons we have communication problems is because we go home and one goes to watch the, you know, the NBA playoffs and she goes here. We don't want to talk about what the problem is. I see all these young guys smiling at me and say, Terry, i got to really talk now. Yeah, you got to talk, man. you got to talk. Okay? And uh, just get this thing. In. But here's the next question I get. Some people say, well, Terry, we don't have enough money. We don't make enough money for a budget. You know, the, the lease you make, that, that means that there's, there's less room for error, which is the reason that you need a budget the most. I want to end with this, and hopefully this will encourage you. If you become faithful in managing a little bit of money, God will give you more to manage. He will. Let me read a scripture, Matthew 25, verse 14 through 18. The band can go ahead and come up. It says this, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another, two bags, and to another, one bag. Most important line in this passage. 
each according to his ability. Each according to his ability. Then he went on a journey, and the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put the money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the one who had received one bag went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Have you ever wondered why the master didn't, didn't actually give the one who, he, he gave one bag of gold to one. Do you ever realize why he didn't give him five? Because he knew that he wasn't able to handle, he couldn't handle one. So why would he give him five? But the, the master knew, the master knew the ability of each one. And he gave them accordingly. Could it be, not could it be, but have you ever thought of this, that God knows our ability to handle certain things? And he's not going to give us more than we, than we have the ability to manage and to handle? Would you stand with me? We're going we're gonna to close in prayer, but we're, let, let's sing a song first. Let's sing a chorus and worship, and I'll come up and, uh, and close up with prayer in just a minute. I enter, I enter the gates with nothing but thanks. I want to magnify your words. I want to bring you more than words. I enter the gates, come reckless with praise. I bring a heart that wants you first, all for your glory. say sing my soul will sing my soul will make this place an altar make this place an altar sing my soul will sing my soul will make this place an altar make this place an altar sing my soul will sing my soul will make this place an altar Make this place an altar. Sing, my soul will sing. My soul will make this place an altar. I enter, I enter the gates with nothing but thanks. I want to magnify your word. I want to bring you more than words. I enter the gates, come reckless with praise. I bring a heart that wants you first. Oh, boy. church, I know that, that sometimes it's uncomfortable to talk about an area that we're not doing good at, but I want you to know this, that God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you financially. He wants to help you, and all we have to do is follow his lead. He's there to help us, so I want to pray. Father God, I just pray this morning with eyes closed and heads bowed.
If you just have financial concerns and you're like, man, Terry, I need God to help me. I just need God to help my family. Would you just raise your hands to the Lord, not to me? God, I pray right now for all the, all the financial concerns, God. Lord, there's people that are overwhelmed with, with concerns and worry, God. And I pray, Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus that, that you're, you're, you're going to help bring them to a place of comfort, a place of abundance. God, I pray that you're really going to teach them how to be good stewards with their money, how to be good managers, God, and how to, how to get the most out of their money, God. And I pray that as they do that, God, as they do that, you're going to bless them with more. So I just pray, God, for financial miracles in this house, God. God, give financial miracles, Lord. I pray that people would begin to pay off debt and get out of debt, Lord. People would be able to build up their savings and have reserves so that when things happen, it doesn't cause a concern for them. God, I just pray that you're doing a work in the lives of family life, God, that we're going to be blessed. We're going to get to the position where we have money uh, to give away to many many of the needy and poor and people that have concerns, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, God, I pray a blessing over this house today, God. I pray blessings, God, that as we leave here today, you're blessing us, God. Lord, bless us at work. Protect our families, Lord God. And we just pray that you keep us safe and you encourage us mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. In Jesus' name. God bless you, family life. Have a great week.